This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Episode one of Talking Out Loud. I am your host Drew, and today we are joined by uh, Kevin Sweeney. Joins me to preview the Northwestern Dayton game coming up this Friday in Chicago, Illinois. But for now, uh, you only have me. I'm working on trying to get some co-hosts and some some partners to help do this with me. But for right now, you're just getting a solo episode with my interview with Kevin. Um, Going to record with Larry Hansgen sometime next week, so you can expect to hear him next week on the show but this week we have kevin sweeney he was the best i could get on some short notice so uh so that's all taken care of there all right let's talk about expectations dayton they currently sit at one and oh on the basketball season with a, a sloppy win over siue on monday night my expectations going into this year were very high what are my expectations well my expectations are to actually make the NCAA tournament, whether that be winning the Atlantic 10 tournament, which hasn't happened in 20 years, or being good enough to get the auto bid. And what will you need to get the auto bid? Well, you probably need somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 to 26 wins with some quality to it. So Friday is a good starting point to gather one of those wins as you go into your mid-season tournament, whatever, uh, before Thanksgiving in Charleston against LSU. So Friday, you know, with it only being the second game of the year, it, it's a pretty big one in the grand scheme of Dayton's season. So it's one that's kind of imperative that you get. If you don't get it, it's not the end of the world. You can still make it up in other ways, but it's a win that would definitely, definitely help you out uh, as you move forward and as you try to go to the NCAA tournament which is something Anthony Grant hasn't been able to accomplish since 2020. And that leads us into what happens if they don't achieve these expectations. Well, if Dayton doesn't make the tournament this year, I think some serious conversations need to be had about moving in a different direction. Look, I'm not the fire the coach guy. I haven't wanted Grant gone for the past several years. If you listen to the show before, you know that. He's, I don't, it's just, I go back and forth with it. He's a great, he's a great guy. He represents the program in the city well. And he's an alumni. And these are the murky waters that you get into when you hire an alumnus to coach 
your school's basketball team. You take a look at what happened with Patrick Ewing at Georgetown. He goes on that run. He They make it to the tournament. They think they've gotten over the hump and that Ewing can lead them forward, and then they bottom out again. They fire him, and then they hire Cooley away from Providence. Well, they have the ability to do that because they're Georgetown. Dayton, it's kind of worrisome with where we're at if we don't make the play, the tournament this year. Excuse me. Now, one tournament in seven seasons, that's any other school. That gets you that gets you let go. you got to be looking elsewhere for a job if that's the case. So if Dayton doesn't make the tournament this year, I do think there are some serious conversations that need to be had. And, yeah, it's, it sucks, but it's also the truth. And if we do have to move on from them, it needs to be a wide-open search. It can't just be hiring an assistant or – Anything like that. I think Dayton is a very attractive job to a lot of coaches throughout the country. And I think it's an opportunity that a lot of coaches would want to jump at. I feel like Dayton is caught in between not wanting to be a springboard for a young guy to go somewhere else. Much like Archie Miller did coming to Dayton for, what was it, five seasons? Maybe six seasons? And then jumping to Indiana because it was, well, I guess Dayton offered him more money. But it was the Big Ten. And it's it's Indiana. It's a it's a blue blood program, despite the lack of success in the last 20 years. But you need to move on and things need to change. And but you know what? If you go out and you accomplish these things this year, you make the tournament and heck, you win a game or two, then you can kind of build positive momentum as you move forward. And how much longer is Anthony Grant going to coach, really? I mean, the retirement rumors, you know, you don't know how much credence there was to him going into this season, but I don't think they're there for no reason. I think it was something that he legitimately did think about, and is it something that he's going to think about year over year over year now? So how much longer is Anthony Grant really going to be in your plans if he's thinking about retirement? So all in all, the expectations are set for me. In stone, they need to win 26 games. They need to win the Atlantic 10 regular season. I would love it for them to finally win the freaking Atlantic 10 tournament and get the auto bid. I would just remove all doubt. But if not, and we don't get that automatic bid, things will need to change. All right, so transitioning from all that, Mally was injured again on Monday. And Mally continues to just get snake bitten by the injury bug. Um, kind of rolled his ankle a little bit on a play. He, he only played seven minutes. He did not return. Uh, as of this recording, which I, today is Wednesday, November 8th, uh, there is no update to Mally's status, so I do not know if he will be playing on Friday. Uh, I guess that's going to be a wait and see on that. But, yeah, it just stinks, man. It just feels like every time he feels like he's ready to get ripped and roaring and ready to go, he, he goes down with an ankle injury. And, and credit to Javon Bennett who played very well in his stead, and if he has to start on on Friday night and do it again, I, I think he will, and I think he'll do a, a snap-up job of doing that. But, hope you know, Mally, you just you, you feel for the kid. You really, really do because you, you know he wants to be out there to play. He, he plays hard when he plays. You can tell he genuinely enjoys the game. And it, it always seems like guys like that can't get the luck on the injury front. And if they could just play it for an extended period of time, I feel like he would – you would get more production out of him. I think people get upset with the production that Mally doesn't put in because he's rarely available for con- continuity-wise. It's very hard to be an effective player when you're going in and out of the lineup so dang much, and it, it's really, really tough for him to establish any sort of continuity 
and any sort of rhythm when he plays the game. So hopefully, hopefully it's nothing serious. Hopefully he won't miss extended time, if if any. Um, I think we're a better basketball team when Malachi Smith is healthy and on the floor, no doubt. You know, despite how good Bennett looked on Monday night at times. So uh, so that's something to monitor, and uh, hopefully Malley will play on Friday. All right, as you know, Dayton plays. Northwestern on Friday in Chicago, Illinois. So I brought on Northwestern alumnus Kevin Sweeney, recurring guest of the show, to talk about it. Kevin is a writer for Sports Illustrated, SI Now. You can find him on Twitter at, at CBD underscore central. Uh, Kevin's a great interview. We talked uh, what Northwestern's strengths and weaknesses are, what their kind of expectations are going into the year, what he thinks about this Dayton squad, um, you know, a couple keys to the game, a couple matchups he's looking he's looking forward to with it. Great interview, and uh, we'll take you to that right now. All right, uh, welcome in. We now want to welcome on uh, Kevin Sweeney. You can find him on Twitter at uh, CBB Central. He's a writer for Sports Illustrated now. Uh, Kevin, recurring guest. Uh, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, sir. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, we are having you on uh, today because uh, my beloved Dayton Flyers are taking on your Northwestern Wildcats this Friday at the United Center in Chicago, Illinois. So figured like a good time to have you back on. So uh, let's just jump. Uh, straight into it. How first? First things first. How many years is this now for you call, covering college basketball, going all the way back to when you first started? So I started in 2016, winter of 2016. So I guess this is year year eight, year nine, which is year eight. And wild. did you ever think you would get as far as you did? Probably not. I, I kind of originally did it in the sense of like I wanted to, I wanted an opportunity to build like a more traditional like journalism career. I was going to do work in sports in some form, but I don't know that I thought that, especially this young, I would be a quote unquote national reporter covering college basketball, especially at a at a place like Sports Illustrated that obviously has so much history. So. That's pretty cool. It, it never gets old looking up. I mean, we just had our, our basketball preview come out and there's a there's a Purdue feature in there by me. And like I grew up reading that magazine every single every single year. The basketball preview is like my thing. So the fact that I'm in it now is, is pretty cool. Yeah. And I want I want to talk about your jump to Sports Illustrated because you went pretty much straight out of college doing your own solo thing into, you know, one of the biggest sporting publications in the world. Um, that had to be both very exciting and also, you know, very scary for lack of a better word. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny. Um, it, it is a big responsibility. Uh, I do feel like I did the job the same way, or at least approached it the same way. Um, when I was blogging about college basketball as a college kid at Northwestern and going to Loyola games, cause it was in the backyard and, and watching games on TV every night. Like, I think I approach things a lot of the same way. Obviously there's a lot more doors open for you when you work for a legacy media brand and um, a lot of opportunities that are, are very, you know, pinch me when you're, when you're at a 
Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, you're out of Final Four. I mean, the first NCAA tournament game I covered was the Kentucky St. Peter's game that was obviously an upset. Heard around That's a winner. So when when you when you look up and you realize like okay like my story about this is going to get remembered by people right like people at St. Peter's and maybe maybe this is like too overinflating of your of yourself but like people at St. Peter's are going to remember like the time that Sports Illustrated wrote about us beating Kentucky in the tournament right and so there there's a responsibility to that that you don't really have when when you're a blogger but um yeah it it, it was a big jump um definitely the youngest person in a lot of rooms I still am younger than Several college basketball players this year, despite being in my third year out of college, which I find very funny. Um, but uh, just just doing what I can and hoping to hoping that people respect the the job that I do on a day to day basis. Well, yeah, and you bring up the St. Peter's thing, and like that's a connection that you probably never thought you would make with an entire fan base. You know, yeah. you, you do something like that, and all of a sudden, you know, St. Peter's people, if they ever see you, they'll be like, "Oh, that's Kevin Sweeney. He wrote, you know, when we beat." Kentucky or you know whoever when they went on their run like that links you with that program and that has to be a program that you just never in a million years thought you would be connected to the I, I joke that the the two biggest stories I wrote my first year as a, as a national college basketball writer were one about Coppin State and one about St. Peter's which you would not expect those to be the two programs but I mean that's the that's the way of it and, and that's, I think how, that's how life works and it's, it's cool to look back and say, like, yeah, I wrote a story the night that Coach K coached his last game as a college coach, and that meant the same thing to me as when I wrote about Coppin State in December, right? And right. That's the way you have to approach it as best you can. Yeah, so, you know, and nobody can, nobody can say that you're not dedicated because you had an article that you put out on November 1st where you ranked all 362 college basketball teams. Well, today, we are going to talk about number 58 on that list, which was Dayton versus number 45 Northwestern. So first things first, let's just get your overall feel for this Dayton team this year. They returned four core players and they add kind of a laundry list of transfers into the team. What what do you make of the Dayton Flyers squad this season? Yeah, obviously getting Holmes back is huge and gives you an opportunity to go win a 10 championship, compete at the highest level. Um, you know, he's a premier player anywhere in the country, a guy who can you know, play his way into potentially even the All-American conversation. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch the Edwardsville game, but I did watch a good amount of the Ohio State exhibition. And I think I was impressed by the depth. Didn't feel like a ton of separation between a lot of these guys. Uh, and that's something that obviously they'll have to work through as they get into league play. But um, I do think that when you have two two veteran guards – uh, like Elvis and like Malachi Smith, and you do have one of the better bigs in the country in Deron Holmes. You've got a pretty good starting place, and then you just got to fill in the rest. So, um, you know, I think they've they've got a chance to be pretty good, contend, contend in the A10. Obviously, still looking for guys to emerge uh, on the wings, and maybe someone like Nate Santos, who I know had a, a big rebounding day in in Game One, can can be that guy, but. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought overall they've they've looked the part of a team that can can be right there in the A10, which is obviously the expectation in those parts. So I'm going to test your knowledge here. Do you know the last time that Dayton won the Atlantic Ten tournament? Oh, geez, um, I don't. It'd be 2003. On their own floor is the last time that Dayton won the Atlantic Ten tournament. So we're going through quite the dry spell here. 
So when you take a look at this conference top to bottom and you you factor Dayton into it, you know, they have the depth, they have all the pieces there. Do you think that this is the year where they finally get over that hump and finally win the darn thing? Because last year they were 20 minutes away in the A-10 final, kind of let it get away in the second half there. I think a little of Deron Holmes coming back was his draft stock wasn't quite where he wanted it to be. But I also think there was a little bit of a unfinished business there. Uh, so do you think this is the year that Dayton can finally get over that hump? I certainly think it can be. Obviously, you know, predicting. Yeah, you, you, right. We're prognosticating right. in November here. but right. And we're, we're picking single elimination results. We don't know where things will be, right? Like if Dayton right, comes exactly. to that tournament at large comfortably and, you know, Bonaventure or Loyola or Duquesne or something like that's coming in and pushing them maybe that changes things, but I, you know, I picked them to win the league in the preseason for a reason. Like, I think they have a really high floor. You know, I love, I, I love the, the talent level that they've been able to build. And I think they, they did a nice job mixing with, with, with some of the portal guys, with the veterans that they have coming back. So yeah, I certainly think, think the door's open. I, I do think it'll be competitive. I think Bonaventure has a chance to be really good with their experienced guards. Obviously that's something that, that every coach wants. And, when Mark Schmitz had him, he's usually been really, really darn good. Uh, and then some of those those upstart teams in the middle, like Loyola coming off the bad year, they expect to be very good and be right there. St. Joe's, you know, we'll see with Billy Lang, but the guard play is, is really impressive. And then, you know, Duquesne obviously wouldn't count out VCU. I know they had a rough, rough opening night, but um, I think as they get healthier and get Bearstow back, that team will be, will be a factor with, with the job that Ryan Odom has done in previous stops. Yeah, and I, I agree with you on on Bonaventure. I, I and you know my own pro- prognostication. I, I see Bonaventure as the biggest threat to Dayton in the league this year. Obviously, yeah. You as much as I like to poke fun at VCU for losing uh, on Monday night, you know that they're always going to be a factor once you get into January and February. Uh, so let's transition into Dayton's opponent this Friday. And the first thing I want to ask you about Northwestern is: Do you balance? Being, you know, being an alumnus from there, do you balance being a fan and being a journalist? And if so, how do you like strike that balance? Um, I think if you if you ask Chris Collins, you'd probably say I was like the least supportive alumni there is. I've I've been pretty critical <laughs> um, of him over the last couple of years, and he earned all the credit he got last year. He did a tremendous job. He made me, quite frankly, eat some of the words I've said in the past about kind of the program direction. It was it was not pretty really throughout my four years of undergrad. I mean, I, I entered Northwestern the year after they made the NCAA tournament the first time in 2017, and they went under 500 all four years, um, really squandered a lot of the momentum that they had built as a program in that 2017 year. And to me, like, it was time to start thinking about, like, where do you go next? And it was no secret he was on the hot seat last year. Uh, but he turned it around, did a great job. Boo Booey really emerged. I mean, so, so kind of to, to answer your question, um, I, I think the way I view things as much as anything is I the biggest thing I value is is relationships, right? At this point, I, I obviously have some, you know, Northwestern will always be special to me. I want Northwestern to be successful because the place means a lot to me. I want Siena, which is my hometown school growing up. I want them to be successful because the place means something to me. But the biggest thing that I root for nowadays is not laundry as much as it is people uh, and the people that I've built relationships with in college basketball. Um, those are the people that I I'm, I'm going to turn on the TV and be pumping my fist a little more when, when they win. But 
I, I, I would say that uh, no one around Northwestern would, would consider my, my objectivity in question because I've been probably too critical at times, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's, you know, that kind of thing has always fascinated me because I, I've been doing this Dayton thing now for, I think this is the sixth year I've done it. And, you know, I have the goggles on, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, whatever, you know, euphemism you want to use at the fact that I'm just a fan of this program. So it's always fascinating to me when you have to look at it from a national lens and how you balance both of those things. So, and I figured that there'd be no one better for you with that perspective. And I, I'm kind of with you where I toe the line of trying to be constructively critical of the program while also not, like you said, ruining any potential relationships that, you know, this show could bring me. So I think that's a very fascinating thing. So let's jump in to Northwestern, the basketball team here. Uh, if you had to give me their two or three biggest strengths as a basketball team, what would you say? Uh, point guard play would be number one. Um, Boo Booey, their fifth year guard is on pace to be the all time leading scorer at Northwestern. If he, if he has the year he had last year, uh, had 27 in the opener uh, against Binghamton, he can really score. He can play, making ball screens. Uh, he has really emerged into one of the best guards, not just in the big 10, but, but in college basketball. Um, and then the other thing for, for them is their defense. They struggled a little bit on that end in the first half against Binghamton. They were excellent in the second half. It was what keyed their turnaround a season ago um, was their ability to defend. Um, they are going to run a lot of, throw a lot of different looks at you. They're going to play um, very physical. They're going to double a lot in the post and try to turn you over Um that that was really their hallmark all of last season, and, and it went from a thing that was a weakness for them to a strength. They were top forty in the country in defensive turnover rate, top fifty in the country in two point defense. Like they did a great job protecting the rim, forcing teams to beat them from beyond the arc, uh, and tur- making them uncomfortable and turning them over. And that allowed them to be inconsistent offensively and still win games. So you you've been invited into the Dayton locker room, Coach Anthony Graham. Says, Kevin, Kevin, we need you, Kevin. What is the one weakness that we can attack Northwestern to help get us an edge and help us win this basketball game? What would you tell the Dayton Flyers? I mean, I think the the, the strength is also the weakness to a certain extent for Northwestern, right? I just said that they're great defensively, and they the biggest reason why is that they double the post. Like every, every post catch, I guarantee a double team will come. It, it may not come right on the catch. It may come on the first dribble. Like they, they mix up the looks. But there will always be a second defender coming when Deron Holmes catches it on the block. So the, the ways that teams have exploited that is having bigs that can really pass. And I think this will be a great test for Deron Holmes. Or by lifting the big, bringing him out onto the perimeter and being able to play five out. And then you can just attack one-on-one matchups. And I think you have some in this game off the bounce, particularly, you know, Boo Booey, who's, you know, I, I mentioned awesome, awesome offensive player, but not a, not a super big guard, a guy that you can drive. And then Ryan Langborg, who transfers in from Princeton, he's he's your starting two guard. He's another guy that you can probably drive on. He, you can probably attack a little bit off the bounce. They don't have that elite perimeter defender that they had last year with Chase Audige. Ty Berry's a good defender, but not maybe not not what Audige was. So there are holes in this defense if you attack it properly. It is a tough tough nut to crack, and that has been evidenced by some of the performances that teams put up last year. But there are opportunity, opportunities, particularly if guards can make open shots. Those those shots will be there uh, on Friday night in Evanston. So what, what's an individual matchup you're, you're looking for in this game? And it doesn't necessarily need to be just like player versus player. It can be 
you know, Collins versus Grant. It could be, you know, a certain style of play against the other. Is there a certain particular matchup that really sticks out for you in this game? Yeah, I think Holmes versus Matthew Nicholson, Northwestern starting center is interesting because Nicholson is one of the most physically imposing big men in, in the Big Ten. I mean, he is seven feet tall, 260, shredded, um, blocked a ton of shots last year, had four blocks yesterday. Like, he is capable one-on-one, and he is an, a really good kind of weak side to rim, to rim protector as well. So uh, I'm just curious to see how that matchup plays out. Can, can Holmes still assert his dominance? Obviously, has such a, such a reputation, but can he still assert his dominance? And when those unique looks come, right, when the doubles get sent, how does he respond? Is he able to spray it around to shooters and get guys open looks, make the right play, or does he stumble into turnovers and, and allow Northwestern to spark its offense? To me, that's, that's where this game begins and ends, is that, that center matchup between Nicholson and, and, and Jerron Holmes. So I, I'm on the re- I've been on the record on this podcast that I do not like neutral site games. I think they take away what makes college basketball so special of teams going into each other's arenas. Like if I had it my way, Northwestern would be coming to the arena one year and then Dayton would be going to theirs the next. But that's just not the way college basketball works anymore. That being said, this game's in Chicago, obviously right in Northwestern's backyard. There's a large uh, Dayton alumni contingent in the city of Chicago. What kind of atmosphere would you expect going in uh, going into this one? Northwestern students will come out. Um, they have really embraced basketball in the last year or so. They produced some awesome home courts last season. I expect the same thing. Um, I would imagine the general public tickets will be skewed relatively red. Um, you know, we'll we'll see exactly what the what the split looks like. But uh, Northwestern's Northwestern fan base can be a tad fickle. Um, and it can also uh, it has also been through a lot. I mean, there was a, a football scandal that I don't need to bore everyone with the details on. But if you're familiar with what happened with that, there was a hazing scandal that took down head coach Pat Fitzgerald who's beloved in the community. And you have people who are upset about Northwestern firing Fitz. You have people upset that Northwestern was hazing kids like the, the fan base is in a weird spot outside of the student fan base. The students will turn out to be a great, great student crowd, but. I do, uh, I do have my my doubts as to whether they can uh, outshout the Dayton faithful. Uh, otherwise, all right. So you are a national guy. I want to touch on some national things here. This is a Dayton podcast, but I got to get you on the record for some things for the show. So I have three questions for you. I'm gonna say them to you, rapid fire here. You just give me your answers right off right off the brain. All right. So here we go. Number one, who's a team that will disappoint this year? Whew, that's a great question. Um, hmm. we can move on to one of the other ones. No, 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 no one I got it. I got it. All right. I'll take, I think Alabama, Alabama coming off the number okay. one overall seed. I just, I think it's going to be more rough and tumble for them this year. Okay. Most likely non-power five team to make a run and make a run can be anything. It doesn't necessarily mean making the final four. The only caveat for this question, you cannot pick. Zags, San Diego State, or FAU? Boom. Okay. New Mexico. Uh, tremendous Travis guard play. Fun fan base. This is their team year to get back to the tournament and maybe make some noise once they do. All right. Who's going to win it all? <sighs> Purdue. Redemption story. Virginia 2.0. It's got to happen. Vir- Virginia part two. Well, yeah. All right. Uh, 
I, I like that answer. I don't necessarily want it to happen, but I, I think that's a very, very smart and educated guess on that one. So uh, we'll leave you with this one final question for you, Kevin. We'll get you out of here. First of all, appreciate you coming on again, as always. Give me a prediction for Friday night. Who wins? What's the score? I think Dayton finds a way. Um, I think it'll be be close. I think it'll be low scoring. I think Dayton 69, Northwestern nice. 65. All right, there it is. On the record, Kevin Sweeney says the Flyers are going to pick up a 69 to 65 victory. Uh, as always, make sure you go to SI now. Check out his writing. Kevin does a lot of great work. I, I have read ever since the first time you came on. Uh, we've been following each other since the first time you came on. I love the work that you do, Kevin. I really appreciate you coming on, and uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime soon. Thank you, sir. Yep. All right. Have a good one. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Okay, uh, this is a bit of an emergency uh, editing into the podcast. Uh, I just finished wrapping up editing the show, getting it ready to get out for you today. And uh, the news broke. Uh, Jeff Goodman tweeted that Malachi Smith uh, will be missing the entirety of the regular season with a knee injury. Um, That is all the tweets said. Uh, No specifics as to what it was, what it is. I'm sure we will know uh, when you you listen to this. it's obviously gutting for him. Um, the kid just has had the worst luck, I worst injury luck I've ever seen a, a Dayton player have, and um, you really just you, you feel for him because he just wants to play, and that's all he really wants. So um, obviously, I talked about earlier in the show. Uh, you know, hopefully it wasn't anything serious. Well, there's the first Drew Mush of the entire year uh, because Mally is going to miss the entire year, and that really sucks. And obviously, it's going to change some things about the team. But, um, you know, in a way, this is why you go out and you get more depth with the transfer portal. This is why you go out and get a Bennett and an Enoch Cheeks, you know, to try and fill that void if you do lose somebody for the season. So, obviously, it's a it's a terrible situation for him. I feel terrible for Mally um, to have to go through all of this again. And it's been a very, very tough, tough tenure for him here at UD ever since his freshman year. So I just wanted to get this little edit into the show. And um, yeah, it, it, it sucks. That's all I, you can really say about it is it sucks. I hope Mally has a speedy and healthy recovery, um, successful surgery and all that. But it's hard to really say what the fu- what his future truly looks like in this game because and this is three years in a row now with some pretty major, major injury issues. And it truly, truly does suck. And you, you feel for the kid. And other than that, yeah, I just wanted to get this little edit in here and kind of let it be known that Malachi Smith is out for the season. Uh, and the rest of the team is going to have to step up. And, you know, I, but to me, expectations are still the same. Um I, I still expect Dayton to be a good basketball team, and, and I hope they are moving forward. But this is obviously a tough blow to the team, a tough blow for the guys, and hopefully they can kind of rally around each other and just get this thing rolling into the season, and hopefully the rest of the team can stay healthy. So, 
again, just wanted to get this little edit in here. And um, all right, let's uh, get back to the normal show. All right, welcome back in. Drew back here, solo, flying solo. We're going to do a quick A10 rundown before we close the show out tonight. Uh, at time of recording, Loyola Chicago is down 16 to FAU with 314 to go. So it's looking like Loyola Chicago will be picking up a loss. But other than them and VCU, uh, everybody in the A10 has won their first game. So VCU lost to Will Wade, former coach Will Wade at McNeese, McNeese State Monday night by 11 uh, 76 to 65. All other A10 teams have won their first game. Like I said, outside of Loyola Chicago, barring a very major and miraculous comeback from them. Let's take a look at the Atlantic 10 winner conference odds as they stand right now. Uh, Dayton is your favorite, uh, ranging anywhere from 270 to 300. VCU second, anywhere from 370 to 425. And then Bonaventure, Duquesne, Loyola Chicago, St. Louis. I would say those six are probably your suspects for the year of who's going to win the regular season unless you are a huge believer in Davidson or St. Joe's or Fordham or Rhode Island, if you think uh, Archie can turn them around quick. But Rhodey has the third longest odds at plus 5,500 as of time of recording, which is Wednesday, November 8th. So there's pretty much all we can really talk about on the Atlantic 10. Not much. We didn't really learn much about it other than VCU losing to Will Wade in their all-white alternate uni unis is uh, is very, very funny to me. So let's, let's look at this game on Friday night a little bit closer. Northwestern comes into this game with an 11-point victory over Binghamton, uh, not being Hampton, like I said, on the rapid reaction. I was very tired. I was, it was about 12.30 in the morning when I recorded that, so uh, cut me some slack. But uh, Dayton takes on Northwestern, 8.30 p.m., Big Ten Network, on Friday night. Uh, ESPN's matchup predictor gives Northwestern a 73% chance of winning. Um, like Kevin said, you know, Bowie uh, is 27 points, 45% from the field, 75% from the line in, the, his, in their first game. You know, he looked really good. He, he looked very much the part of the player that he is. Boo, Bowie, that's a that's a heck of a basketball name, too. You're just not going to be bad at basketball with a name like that. And then you dive into their box score, you look a little bit closer. You know, Bowie had 27, and then Barnheiser had 18, but he was only 4 of 14 from the field, 10 of 10 from the line, much like Duran's line on Monday night. And uh, Langborg had 13. He was 6 of 11 from the field. They only shot 5 of 18 from 3, so not much better than Dayton did percentage-wise from 3. Uh, they were 25 of 59 from the field for 42.4%, and they were 17 of 21 from the line. They out-rebounded them 36-31. They had 13 assists on 25 made field goals. Bowie had two of those assists. You know, nobody's individual assist numbers really stand out, although Nicholson, the center, had four of them to lead the team, which is which is interesting. Barnheiser, who's listed as a guard at 13 boards, so I think one of the keys to the game is going to be keeping him off the boards. Northwestern doesn't go very deep. They only played two of their bench guys over eight, uh, over eight minutes. Uh, that was Preston who played 13. He was 3 of 3 from the field for 6 points. And Clayton, who played 17 minutes, he did not score. He was 0 of 2, 0 of 1 from the free throw line. So uh, they are not a very deep basketball team. They are going to rely on their starting five. They're going to rely on their 
They're, I mean, three players made up all of their points, but 14. So it's those top three guards that you're going to really have to contend with. You're going to have to slow down. Uh, you can, you know, Bowie's probably going to get his. I think if you stop Barnheiser and Langborg and you keep their impact to a minimum, I think you have a very, very good chance to win the game. Kevin mentioned it in our, our discussion, but I, I do think the, the matchup in the middle with the big men, uh, Nicholson and Duran is going to take this game a very, very long way. And I think if Duran can prove that he is the best player on the floor, like I think he believes he is, and Dayton gets a little bit better shooting, but they play the same kind of defense that they played in the first game, I think they've got a very, very good shot to win this thing. And I think they've got a, a very, very solid chance to win this thing. And uh, Kevin seems to think so. And uh, I do too. Uh, I, I think Dayton's going to pull this one out. Uh, I'm going to go with a score of 62 to 58. I'm going to say it's a close one. Uh, bet the under. Uh, if you're, I, I think Dayton unders are going to be profitable for the first couple weeks of the season as they kind of find their footing on the offensive end. But I, I think the defense shows up. I think Deron Holmes plays well. I think the supporting cast, I don't think Kobe Brea and Kobe Elvis will shoot as poorly as they did on Monday night, but who knows? Maybe they will, and that's why you come to Talking Out Loud, because you get analysis like that. Maybe they won't, maybe they will, and that's that's all we can really say until uh, the ball is tipped. With that, I'm going to let everyone go. Uh, thank you for tuning in to the first episode of the new Talking Out Loud. Like I said, I'm hoping to have some more people on throughout the year to kind of bounce off of. It's very tough to do this show solo. I will do it if, if need be. I'll do it. I will do it if if the people need me to do it. But I would much prefer to have somebody to kind of bounce discussion off. It makes it makes these podcasts way more entertaining than just listening to me ramble on all the time. But I do appreciate you listening to me ramble on here on this very first episode. We'll see about a rapid reaction. It, it may be a not so rapid reaction. Uh, maybe get something up for Monday. Uh, that's TBD. But if I can find somebody to, to come on and do it with me, then you know, maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Maybe we will. Again, that's why you come to this podcast, because you just never really truly know what you're going to get. All right. With that, I'm going to leave you all with one more thing. Uh, you wear red and you be loud. And apologies to Mark Titus. We ran out of time. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Go Flyers. Stay loud out there. And we'll catch you next week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.